the Pope on Film! I am Bunny Williams and with me is... I am the Pope in question. My name is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Edward. Father, storyteller, raconteur, man about town. This is episode 278 of the podcast and... We're going into Act 1 of the podcast. Act 1 is sort of a monologue. Act 2, we have some reoccurring segments, and then Act 3, we actually eventually get around to discussing this week's movie. But right now, we're in a sort of limbo, because this is the introduction where we say hello, and then we uh, talk a little bit, and then we go into Act 1. This part right here, we can say anything... Yes. And uh, this, this won't get, get cut, cut into its own segment. So right now, really, I have the podcast by the balls. Yes, you do. And the only way that someone will hear this specific part is either if you're watching this streaming on Facebook, hello, uh, or if you're on uh, Spotify or SoundCloud or Stitcher or iTunes or whatever, and you listen to the entire Yes. In which case, hi, hello, welcome. You have found you have found the, the, the message. So, so because this part is is it's almost sort of secretive. Well, it's it's what it is is it's bonus content for those who listen to the whole show instead of just the bits. Exactly. Yes. So I'm going to be doing something throughout the podcast. Okay. okay. Uh, and only people who watch this opening will know what I'm doing. Okay. Okay. Throughout the podcast, the only way that you'll know that I'm playing the game is if you watch this beginning. Okay. Yes. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to count. And, and see how many times I can work in the ending to the show Newhart. Okay. The ending of the show Newhart, which is where Bob Newhart owns like a like a bed and breakfast kind of yes. club sort of thing, and the show wasn't that popular. Uh, so when they canceled it, they had him get knocked in the head by a golf ball, and he wakes up in bed next to Suzanne Flechette. Yes. Which is his wife from the Bob Newhart show, like a decade before. So I'm going to see how many times I can mention Bob Newhart and Suzanne Flechette in this podcast. I've written right and, here. And let's... let's just going to mark it. Let's take a second to mark how genius that was for the for that has got to be the most genius end of a series ever. It's, it's the best because because not only did it riff on itself, but it also riffed on Dallas with. Bobby Ewing having woken up and that whole season was a fucking dream. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm going to see how many times I can mention Bob Newhart and Suzanne Plachette in bed together. 
on this podcast. Okay. I have, I have a tally here and a piece of paper. I'm going to keep trying to make the same Bob Newhart and Suzanne Plachet joke throughout the entire podcast. And the only way that you will know that I'm playing this bizarre game is if you listen to this beginning. Yes. So those of you who listen to this beginning, congratulations, you're a part of the game. And so now we are truly starting the podcast. Yes. Yes. I guess we should start off this episode of the podcast by talking about the big news that happened this week. Yes. I am, of course, talking about one thing and one thing only. Um, the huge revelation at the end of this week's episode of Supernatural. Uh-oh. Yeah. I want, I want to talk about supernatural. supernatural. I was going to start talking about the election, but just because the end result of, of, of this election week was positive doesn't mean that it wasn't a shit show before by one, you know? Yes. So anyway, I want to talk about Supernatural. A topic that we have just... Uh, uh, rather surprising <coughs> times on this podcast, haven't we, Bunny? Yes, we have. I mean, we did a Stonehenge Apocalypse. Yes, we did. An amazing movie where, uh, where Misha Collins is uh, uncovering the secrets of Stonehenge, and at the end of the movie, he dies and wakes up in bed next to Yes. And he looked at her in the eyes and said, <laughs> Ley lines. It's, it's amazing. amazing. It's amazing. So, so we've talked about the supernatural a lot on the show. Uh, on account of my wife's intense fandom, which has then spilled over to our, our daughter Bella. Yeah. And now it's really into supernatural, and so supernatural is like the, the thing that they share together, you know? Yes. They're two fans, and so it means a lot to them. Anyway, Supernatural's 15th season, which was scheduled for the 2019-2020 season, was... 15. Oh, I said 15. It was going to be the last season of Supernatural, and uh, regardless of your feelings towards the show... Kudos to any sci-fi, fantasy, supernatural-themed television show that airs on broadcast television yeah. and can last for 15 seasons. Yeah, you know? oh god, yeah. Jeez Louise, that's, that's, that's some impressive numbers, you know? Buffy lasted seven seasons. Yes. Uh, Supernatural has lasted over two Buffies. Over two Buffies. Yeah, Quantum Leap only lasted five seasons. I was shocked by that. When that show was on the air, it felt like everybody was watching that show. Yeah. You know? So. It's not an easy show to go back to, though. Quantum Leap? Yeah, it's not very rewatchable. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm, I'm still, still pissed off about that last episode. episode. I would have been fine with uh, uh, the Quantum Leap ending, and then uh, 
Scott Bakula that wakes up next to Susan and push that. would have been fun yes. with that. And in Game of Thrones, like, like huge, massive, like, uh, like, defining television show. Eight seasons. And those were small seasons. Supernatural, though. Jeez. How many episodes is there? I was meant to look that up. Over 300 episodes. Over 300 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. But then, um, the, the 15th season of Supernatural was, was uh, cut short by the coronavirus, and so episode 13, which aired in March right after my birthday, um, after that they took a break because there were still episodes they needed to film and special effects that they needed to do, but they couldn't because of the freaking coronavirus, so, um... So, so then they stop, and now they're finishing the 15th season because they were able to go back and finish the episodes and finish the, the special effects and all that. So the 15th season restarted with episode 14 of season 15, which aired on October 8th. And so now they're wrapping up this long-running series, and it's a real big deal, and it's really down to the wire. The last episode is going to air November 9th, so it's very soon. 19, 19, but there's, there's a one there, yes. So, so the end of Supernatural is happening very soon. And, uh, hey, fun fact for you, Okay. you don't know all the Supernatural lore, uh, the original creator of Supernatural, Eric Kripke, is now the, the showrunner for that goddamn show, The Boys, that everyone will not shut up about. Really? I, I haven't... I, I, I've seen it advertised heavily. I don't actually see anybody talking about it, though. It caught my, it caught my interest a little bit. Now that I've I've seen that Carl fucking Urban is in it, yeah. I, I I don't know why I am such a big Carl. Or I have a suspicion, but I'm a fucking big ass fan of his, probably he because he's range. just such a whore. He, he, he has, has such range. range. I mean, he was the last Judge, Judge Dredd, and then reboot. He was uh, in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah. So and he's cut himself the, into the Marvel franchise with that. Yeah. And, and then those Star Trek, those, you know, those, those, those Star, Star Trek reboots, you know, you know I didn't see the last yeah. one, but they weren't that bad. They weren't that bad. But okay, not not bad. But if you could say anything about it, they really nailed him as McCoy. Oh yeah, they absolutely did. He, he's like, I mean, I I I am I am original Star Trek. You ask me which captain is best, I tell you Captain Kirk. Okay? Yeah. That's a good fucking McCoy. They also nailed the shit out of Spock. Yes. 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 Um, but, Carl, but Carl Urban, man, you know, like, he was on two episodes of Xena, and that's where I first recognize him from. And then it's like... I'm sitting there watching watching Lord of the Rings, and it's like, it's the fucking Xena guy. And he's, and he's so pretty in that. Yeah. Oh my god, like his eyes. He's in the what? In Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Yeah. I remember Lord of the 
Rings for the first time, buddy. Yeah, yeah Natasha's uh, watching the Lord of the Rings movies for the first time. And, um, yeah. So, his eyes, the shots, though. Oh, man. Do you want me to tell you what happens? I'm not attracted to her, but you know what? Do you want me to tell you what happens at the end of the Lord of the Rings series? I'll tell you now. Okay, spoiler alert. Frodo wakes up next to the sand cliche. <laughs> It's a shocking ending. It's a shocking ending. And it was all a dream. Yeah. The whole thing was just a dream. It was amazing. So, um, uh, the next, the next to last episode aired this past Thursday. And episode what? 18. Episode 18. And man, oh man, something big happened, funny. Yeah? Something What happened? I wanted, I wanted to bring it up here because in the past, in past episodes of this podcast, we have taken Supernatural to task because of all of the queer baiting that goes on in Supernatural, you know? Yeah. And a large portion of the fandom of Supernatural are there because of these guys and these hunky guys and hey, we're going to get close, hey, we're not going to kiss, we can't do that on network television, we can't, we can't. But then, uh, um, so, uh, wow, spoiler alert, I don't even know how to say it, but, um, so, death. Okay. Was going to kill. Do you want me to? Yes. Yeah. I want you to help. I want you to help, honey. I'm really glad that you showed up. I was going to ask you to come in. So. Once upon a time, uh, Dean killed Death, and then Cass killed a Reaper named Billy. The first Reaper to die after Death is killed becomes Death, and then Billy. She has always hated Sam and Dean, especially Dean, because they were deaf and gods of the playthings and would always be brought back, and even Cass. Well, Cass made a deal with the Empty for Jack's life after Cass died, uh, was killed by Lucifer in season 12, which is also the season that they took away Crowley, and I'm still mad about that, okay? I like Crowley. Um, but... Jack will come out of the empty. The empty's been pissed ever since because it was woke up. And then when he came back to kill Jack and to claim him, he made a deal that he would go in place of Jack. And then she was like, nah, I gotta wait until you are absolutely happy. Like the whole speech is great. She's like, I'm gonna wait till the sun is shining on your face. And if you forget about me, if you forget about our deal, and you're absolutely content with life, and then I'm gonna come. So. This last episode, Billy has been trying and trying and trying to make it so that Jack blows up and kills Amara and Chuck so that she can become the new guard. And that was discovered. So Dean stabs her with the scythe and she's dying. And everybody's dying. It's, it's like the snap. The Thanos snap is happening. The first person to die in the episode was Charlie's girlfriend, Stevie. So she loses the person. It's a canon gay relationship. And then the next person is um, Eileen, Sam's girlfriend. She's actually Eileen. Deaf. So Eileen ends up dying. So, so there you go. You're mirroring. Okay, Charlie's love dies. Sam's love dies. 
So you already know what's going to happen. I mean, I was already expecting, expecting it to happen. I've been calling it for weeks. But then, towards the end of the episode, when Death is dying, and she's like, you know, I'm so glad you came back here, because I do have my dying wish, is to see you dead. And she's going after Dean. And so Dean and Cass run through the bunker. They Cass cuts his hand and puts a sigil on the wall to keep Death out, and then he realizes the only way to save Dean is to summon the empty to Earth. Empty can't come to Earth unless he's summoned. Okay. So. Well, well, okay, wait a second. Now, look at Earth, okay? Would you really come here unless you really had to? Yeah. I mean, I'd have to goddamn be summoned, I'll tell you that. And there better be fucking cookies when I get there. Okay, so we'll see. Here's the thing: is she wanted, Billy wanted to blow up Jack to kill Dust, uh, to kill Amara and Chuck. Um, the boys changed their mind because that's what they do. They always choose their family and choose love, and then they didn't kill, let Jack die. Um, and so Des was like, I can't fix him, but there is something I can do. And then he disappears. She sends him to the empty, and where he implodes, and then he survives. But, but so does the empty. But that implosion woke up more of the angels and demons. And she's pissed. Empty is coming, wants to come for death, and reach her. So Cass is like, well, I guess this is it, Dean. I only know one way to save you right now. And goes on this, what, two minutes? A minute and a half long like two minutes. speech about how Dean chooses to do everything by love and that he, he Dean thinks that he's, you know, daddy's blunt little instrument and all he's good for is hatred and anger and killing. But yeah. he does everything out of love. And that he made a deal with the empty. This is the first time Dean's hearing about it. And he tells him what the deal was. And he said, and I tried thought for a long time what would be, what would be that moment. What would make me so happy that they would come? And I realized I would never have what I truly want. But maybe it's not in the wanting, it's in the saying. So Dean, I love you. He said, I love you to Dean. Nobody else in the room. Death is on there, literally, on their door. And he makes this confession. And then he... Tell, when, no, 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 no. Then he tells uh, Dean to step aside and shoves him aside, leaving a bloody handprint on his jacket, which was, by the way, uh, um, Richard Spade, who plays Gabriel, Misha Jensen's idea, because he had that handprint on his arm when Cass raised him from hell. Okay, but I'm so, confused. He, he, Dean... Gabriel loves Dean? Dean is still processing. He's like the baddest, okay? Like, he, he just lost Jack again. Sam and, or, and Jack came back, and Sam and Jack went to go save all the people they saved from the other world. And that's like, kudos to the writer, because they had to get Jared away from Misha, because Jared only wants to hit Misha's balls. You know? And break and crack him up. But, um, so he doesn't even know if Sam lives or dies. And then Cass confesses his love for him. His love, his, his, his uh, romantic love for Dean, because he never thought Dean would reciprocate. Gay love. Yeah, yeah gay love pierces through the, the veil and saves the earth. Because then, once Cass, 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 C
Castiel. Okay, okay, right, because he's the one that we were pulling. Those are the. That's the two we wanted to see. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I, I thought you were throwing in a curveball, and it was somebody completely else. No, no, Cass is just, there's nobody else in the room. Like, the last time Cass told Dean he loved him, he was stabbed by the Michael Spirit, and he was dying, and he told Dean, I love you, and then he quickly said, I love all of you, because Sam and Mary were in the room, and so was Crowley, which, yeah. oh, anyway, uh, and then that's when Crowley decided, ah, fuck it, I'll save my ex-boyfriend's boyfriend, and broke the spirit, and saved Cass. But, like, he, it was easily... Uh, what, what, what is it? Like, what do they call it? Sweeped away? Swept away. Swept away. He can sweep it under the rug and say, oh no, it was platonic. He said, I love you. I love all of you. He included the entire. It's a familial love. It's the same. But this, you cannot deny. He straight says, I love you. And it's not a friendship love because he has Dean's love as a friend. He has Dean's love as a brother. Like, he wants Dean's love as a romantic partner. And, and that's, that's right, right there. The empty comes, comes through the door, door at the same time death comes through the door. And, and then when the goo wraps around uh, Cass, it looks like the wings from when he entered the barn at the yeah. beginning. And, uh, yeah, it takes, the empty takes death and then takes Cass. And then Dean's left alone with her. It was a real big deal. It was the next to the next to last episode. Yeah, penultimate, penultimate episode. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. And, Yeah, he's yeah. not going to be alive if we have him back 
Again, he's he's not, he's he's not. Not. And also, and also, uh, I want to thank you for helping me because I really just sort of wanted to talk about Supernatural before we talk about the election. Yeah. Uh, but before we do, 
to the, the Apple Podcast reviewers who said that our podcast A cuss too much and B who the fuck said that and B pandered to liberals uh we pandered to decency and common sense you dumbass fucking piece of shit ass anyway uh buddy the this I, I am happy that Joe Biden won Yes. I'm happy that Kamala Harris, you know, is is a female POC who is in the room where it happens. You know. Yeah. I'm happy and last last when when yesterday when it was announced just it's, like it seemed like most of the world was celebrating. There were some people that weren't, and they were at either Republicans who who still think that this whole thing is rigged. Because look at how many votes there were. Yeah. Or like uh, libertarians who are like, oh, but Joe Biden is is another part of the system, and how dare you? Cater to him, with him and Obama, they were uh, drone striking uh, foreigners, and he's going to be just as worse. Nothing's going to change. And and, and and I heard, I heard your voices, and I respect your voices. But also, it's the end of Return of the Jedi for shit's sake, and let's yeah. just have some time to yub nub. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's just yub nub. Let's play the drums on some stormtroopers' heads and party, and then like later we can, you know, work on the details. Yeah, yeah, we can work on that later, and that's why I've been. I, that's why, except a couple of things I've said, I've kept kind of on the quiet side, you know, because yeah. because we we need the fucking win. You know, everything can wait a couple of days, a week. You know, I you know, I mean, we're not you know, we have a little bit of time to enjoy the win. The way I felt was, I felt a sense of relief, well past what is realistic. (laughs) You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I understand that. I was really like I felt huge relief for for yeah. a little while. The world dropped off of my shoulders completely. Yeah, yeah. But I still still realize we have just gotten out of the fire, back into the frying pan. Yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, the people who have been angry and violent and racist for the last four years, they don't just disappear. Now that the, now that we're going to have a new president, having a new president really does solve a lot of problems, but it doesn't solve the fact that there's still angry, violent SOBs out there. Uh-huh. You know, so... Uh, and also there's the fact that... Um, this whole election really upset me. 
And so I actually wrote a big giant monologue about how pissed off I was about the election. And then Joe Biden won, and at first I was going to just get rid of the monologue entirely. Uh-huh. That I wrote about how pissed off I was about the election and write another monologue about hope. But I feel that everything that I wrote against the election is still valid, and I still want to read this, okay? Okay. Okay. Um, this election took place during record unemployment, violence on the streets, civil unrest, violent, corrupt policing, small businesses closing their doors for good, and over 200,000 people dead from a highly contagious disease that we as a nation didn't even try to contain. That's right. We didn't even pretend to try and stop it. What we did is we Jurassic Parked it. And it's like, oh no, a pandemic. Maybe if we don't move, it won't see us and quietly go away. Well, we've been inside for six weeks. I'm sure we're fine. Let's go back out to the lake and fucking party. America... And that's not even to mention the, the forced hysterectomies, the kids in cages. America has very quickly, over the span of, within the last few years, quickly become a dangerous, corrupt, almost third world country. And the sad truth of that, I believe, was exposed on November 3rd, 2020. And I know that Joe Biden won. And I know that we should all think that we're feeling hopeful. I'm feeling hopeful. But the sad truth of the matter is, over 71 million Americans said, let's vote for four more years of this. Yes. You know, uh -huh. over 71 million fucking Americans said, you know what? 200,000 dead people, isn't that big of a number? Maybe we should be torturing immigrants more. And uh, I hear people saying that racism is a thing, but I see nobody being racist to me, a white person. Yeah. So maybe we should have more racism. Unless I'm bitching about the reverse racism. Yeah. So it's so just fucked up that, that you know, this election, I, 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 Joe Biden, as of this exact moment, is is up. He he has he has won, but one two three four four. Uh, Joe Biden won by over four million votes, and that's yeah. a lot. And there's and there's a lot of Republicans saying that hey, this was so close. This was a nail biter, but it should not have been this close. No. Donald Trump got forty. But okay, but but the. Failing lays on the Democrats for how close it was. Yes, absolutely. And I guess the Democrats share the blame, but it's so upsetting that. No, 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 dude. They own the fucking blame. Yeah. This is who they chose to run, and they chose to run the exact same campaign that they ran in 2016. Yeah. And guess what? You got the fucking same exact results, except our our outrage and hatred for Trump tipped it over. 
and it's so fucked up. And it only tipped it over. For as outraged as most of the country actually is. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so, so fucked up because I hear I hear pundits saying, uh, now let's let's look back now and see where Donald Trump failed, where his uh, re-election campaign faltered. A lot of people will point to the coronavirus, but no. I think we can all agree that it was his disastrous first debate performance, and it's like... This election should have been a blowout. He's... he's, he's He's stealing children and throwing them in goddamn cages. Like, that wasn't the turning point? Yeah. Saying that Nazis were very fine people wasn't the turning point for you? And that's what... And that's what makes me think. See, now, a couple of episodes back, I... I made some predictions about who the great evil was going to be in 2024. But at this point, I think Satan is just going to run. Yeah. You know, why not? I mean, I mean, if Trump, if it came that close with Trump, Satan's got a damn good shot. If not anything, he is way more charismatic than Trump. Yeah. It's so upset. And I feel that this election... Sure, Biden won, but this election showed the globe that when white people are all alone in a ballot booth, in a ballot booth, and there's no cameras in front of them, no yeah. pundits, media people, when white people are alone in a goddamn ballot booth, they will vote for more racism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I feel that this election has proven what I've been saying since 2014 when we started the podcast that white people within the next decade or two will become a minority in America and white people know this and they're starting to get panicky as fuck about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what this is and that's what this election proved and and, and I feel vindicated almost because I've, I've spent my teens and my 20s and my 30s feeling racism and then being told by my friends and by my family and by my co-workers and by my managers and by my parents and by seemingly well-meaning white people oh, that wasn't racist, Steve that's all in your head stop bringing up race all the time and I feel that the, the results of this election prove to me and prove to the world that racism and hatred and bigotry and oftentimes disguised as fucking Christianity is very much alive in these United States and in a way I feel vindicated, you know? Yeah. And and again, you know, people, please, wake up to the bias in the media. There is always bias in the media. There will always be bias in the media. But if you recognize it and what their biases are, then when you hear them talk about certain things, you know that's something you need to question. Because it's not necessarily coming from from an honest place. Because everybody is now, now now, polling is a big concern again. Okay? Because, yeah. because leading up to the election, oh, Biden's going to win by a landslide and all this kind of shit. Yeah. And that was never true. He yeah. consistently polled right in the same margin that Hillary Clinton polled. 
in 2016. And since they ran the same fucking campaign as Hillary Clinton, that makes complete sense. But that's not how it was reported. It was reported with a, with a centrist Democratic bias to talk up the poll numbers until they all made it look like Joe Biden was going to win, like, win by a landslide. Yeah. And the polls did not actually bear that out. Yeah. yeah. Fun fact about waking up to the media virus when you finally, to the media bias, when you finally wake up to the media's bias, you wake up next to Suzanne Plachette. Yes. Yes. See, I was I was taught in school, man. Every every Monday, we would have to bring in a newspaper article, and we would critically critique that article. And like I, I'm th I'm thinking, a lot of the rest of the world has not done this. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Oh, do you notice how this particular article? Is using a very a lot of very positive words for for the subject matter. Yeah. Apparently, the writer of the article is strongly in favor of this subject matter. Wow. wow maybe. I mean, maybe this is just how you break down news, and you have to break down news because they're all gonna bullshit you according to their biases. Yeah. yeah. Maybe everybody should be doing that. You know. That's you know, I watch a lot of run Young Turks, and one of the positives about Young Turks, they say, yes, here is our bias. We are progressive. Yeah. Okay, great. And, and, and even then, I could, I could sit there and be like, okay, well, what you're saying right now, that's just bullshit. <laughs> yeah. That's not right. You yeah. know, or why are you, why are you even bothering covering... A stupid ass story like this. Every news source has them, and you always have to watch out for them. Yeah. yeah. But but for the mainstream media, they have a centrist Democrat bias, which is why throughout throughout the whole election process, throughout the primaries, the focus was on Joe Biden. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. You know, if if Joe Biden was number one in the polls, they'd report on that. If Bernie Sanders is number one in the polls, they'll ro report on how Joe Biden slipped to number two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 Joe Biden was the Roman Reigns of politics. Yeah. It's like, hey, uh, Daniel Bryan's amazing. Maybe we should see more of Daniel Bryan, or maybe. Uh, you know, Jeff Hardy really still has a career in wrestling. It's like, great! Here's Roman Reigns! It's like, oh, but we want to see the others. Great! Well, get ready for a 20-minute Roman Reigns interview! Yeah. 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 Yeah, I understand that. Thank you. Yeah, so... so on election night, when everybody was like, why is this so close? Why is this so close? Well, it's so close because they've been bullshitting you that it was going to be anything other than close. Yeah. 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 Agreed. 
Agreed. Um, and it wouldn't have been close if the Democrats picked somebody that we can get. A, I mean, motherfucker couldn't even say a fifteen dollar wage was a good idea. Yeah. You know, I mean, throw us a bone, but no, Biden is Biden, and through his campaign, he concentrated on getting Republicans' votes. One thing, one thing, one positive thing that came from yesterday when they announced that Joe Biden had won the election is that something crazy happened in the morning. And I was like, okay, we need to focus on this. Can we get to the bottom of this story? And then Joe Biden won the election and everyone started celebrating. And I'm like, no, can we go back to Four Seasons landscaping? Hoping that while everyone celebrates uh, the Democratic president-elect Joe Biden, that we not forget how crazy the morning of the announcement was where Trump tweeted, I will be doing... I, I will be having a, a rally. I will be speaking. I will be having a press conference in Philadelphia at 11 o'clock today at the Four Seasons. Yeah. Let me delete that tweet. Okay. Let me let me retweet it. I will be having a, a press conference today at 11 at Four Seasons. Landscaping. By the freeway, next to the porn store and the mortuary. Yeah. And, and oh, oh, that was one of the best stories that, that brightened my day. Which one? I, I, they're, they're selling a Four Seasons. Oh, no, 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 okay, okay. I, I thought you went off onto another one. Okay, no. No, no, I'm still talking about the Four Seasons landscaping. Because it's obvious that they couldn't get the Four Seasons Hotel. Yeah. So they looked for anything else called the Four Seasons and found a landscaping place. And in order to save face, they had it in a tiny parking lot next to a porn store. That's great. I totally would. Trump is such a, is such a deal maker. How in the world did, get, did he sign this exclusive... Tiny parking lot next to a mortuary. Wow, what a what business acumen he has. Uh, anyway, that's all I have on the election. I feel like we'll talk about it a couple of more times throughout the podcast because breaking news. Yes. But uh, but yeah. So I think that's the end of that segment. There, cut on that. Funny. Yes! We still have a full show to get to. We have plenty of verses. We need to talk about uh, Alan Costello, Deanna Durbin, Cheech and Chung! Yeah. Um, the best and worst Godzilla movie of all time. We need to talk about um, Joseph Cotton. Yes. We need to talk about... Oh, we have so much to get to, but before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. All right. And, and a very well-cut break, I must say. Yes. Okay, good.
We will, we will be, be right, right back, back with more of the Pokemon film after this. The Death of Richie, the Special Edition. The Death of Richie is a 1977 made-for-TV movie, and now, with the Death of Richie Special Edition, now out on Blu-ray and DVD, you can watch the Death of Richie as it was originally meant to be. Gone are all of the old and outdated scenes of a young man struggling with a drug addiction, and in its place is the scene at the end of La Bamba where actor Isai Morales calls out for his brother. It's the Death of Richie Special La Bamba Edition. Gone are Robbie Benson, and in its place, one hour and 35 minutes of Isai Morales yelling for Richie. That's all it is, just Isai Morales yelling for Richie. Richie. Do you like seeing Mexicans yell for their dead brother? Of course you do. And now with the death of Richie, the special edition, you can watch one hour and 35 minutes of Isai Morales yelling for his brother. <laughs> That's right, Isai Morales. Richie! It's the death of Richie, the special edition. Richie! Richie! I can do it longer than them. So. We are the members of Do It or Die. D-I-D-I-D-I. Watch us make bimbo as easy as pie. D-I-D-I-D-I. We are tough, you bet. Filled with college prep. Bring him on, we cry. D-I-D-I-D-I. B-I-M-B-O. Bimbo.
Правда. Wanna be a member? Wanna be a member? No. There's the way out. Wanna be a member? Wanna be a member? No. Oh, oh, oh. 
up in the sky. Hello again. It is I, Thaddeus Mumford. And we're back with more of the Pope on film. So it seems like maybe we had a small technical glitch going to break, but actually I might just be confused, and I'm not going to know until I actually watch the audio back, uh, play it back, to find out. It may have been silent on the other end, but it was noisy on my side, which is actually what I want, because it would be so much easier... Oh, to talk to you. I hope they. I hope they could hear us. Yeah. During the break, because I made a really loud Suzanne Plachet joke, so I'm going to count that as one. Then of course that one. So that's another one. We were playing Bimbo's initiation, and I said, "I love this cartoon." Almost as much as I love waking up in bed with Suzanne Plachette. So, even if you couldn't hear that, that counts as one. That's one check. Yeah, I didn't hear because I was watching Bimbo. Because uh, I, I got into the smoking room and I was like, oh, you know, I could just go into the group, go to the group in my t on my tablet, and I can just watch the break. So I no, I didn't hear you. So maybe that did work, and maybe we could talk ah, okay. and well, coordinate things. Yeah. If you, if you couldn't hear the Suzanne Plachet joke during the break, I just said it now. So there you go. Yeah. That counts. Check. So yeah. Trying, trying to get the sound to come from Zoom. The video comes in without a problem. Trying to get through this the sound to come from Zoom into the broadcasting program yeah. is a royal fucking bitch. So that I could try to get sound on some of the pages but not all the pages. And, yeah. then, and then after beating my head up against the wall I was like why don't I just turn off the desktop sound? <laughs> wow. It sounds like it worked. And it does sound like it worked. I'm going to have to check on that again, though. Um, so that's about it for that. Uh, you know, if that works, then I'm good with it. And I won't do 
much more unless it's fun, you know? Like, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. play with the screens. I, like, I'm always going to play with the screens, I'm sure. I can tell already. <laughs> um, the one thing I want to do is I want I want to see about getting you set up for remote access, because I think you would have a lot of fun doing different things. Yeah. You know? I mean, I mean, for for something like, well, for the one shots or or for Steve's, you know, you can control what pictures come up or bits of video or yeah. you know anything like that. That, that would be fun. fun. Yeah. And I wonder where we're getting your sound from on your computer. What happens if you play a noise? on your computer. Does that come through? Because then you could set up a playlist. Yeah. Uh, here, I'll play something right now. Can you hear yourself? Uh, I, I would need to be talking. I think I might have. You, you get feedback? No, I was just playing the actual video that's playing right now of us. Oh. So I was asking you if you heard yourself just then. I couldn't tell what I heard. I heard something. Okay, then, uh, hold on. Let me try something else. Uh, I've got an idea. I've got a lot of, uh... I've got a decent amount of, like, little tiny sound files here. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's my favorite line from Black Dynamite. Let's see if this works. Did that come through at all? It came through, but it's really low. Uh, okay, yeah, and I had the volume all the way up, so... Uh, yeah, I might have to think of something else. Yeah. We'll come up with something. Yeah. We'll come up with something. Yeah, it's going to take some time. We're going to have to... Stuff. Yeah, we're going to have to see what you could do remotely. Yeah. yeah. And there are, like, a whole lot of different plugins. Nothing that looks terribly interesting to me yet. You know, but... There are some other things that we could do here to make, make it a more fun show. Cool. cool. Uh, but that's about it for that. Um, uh, I am reworking Dr. Vornoff, the pillars in Dr. Vornoff's castle. Okay. And I want, I want to, it shouldn't be too terribly hard for me to do, have Dr. Vornoff do a, a way into the break and then a way out of the break. Yeah. Like, we'll be back, and we're back. You know, something simple like that. Yeah. And that may become, like, the test... The screen test for any new character I develop from here on out. Like, when I, when I get Dabney, I'll have him do the same fucking thing. <laughs> I always liked Dabney. Yeah. The, 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 the lazy alien. Uh, yeah, I'm planning on pushing... I, I might have mentioned this already, but I'm planning on pushing him a bit more Tommy Chong. And, and that's, that's great. great. 
you know, is great. Hippify him a little, a little more. Um, because he had hair and a long beard, even in the two-dimensional, but it just didn't come off like that as much. Or I think if I do yeah. his hair and his beard as he was, then he would look really kind of on the hippie side. Yeah. yeah. So I might yeah. as well run with that. And and he was originally that not that unsimilar to Dr. Vornoff. He was like on the grumpy side, things like that. He yeah. was me on the grumpy side. <laughs> Wow, the sun is coming through your window. Yeah, I love it. Love it. It's, it, gives, it gives me a it gives me a real nice Jesus. There you go. Yeah, you got the no, you got the no, you had the rays and everything coming down. It was. Oh, do you like it? Do you want me to? It gave it a whole air of mystery. Okay, then I'll keep it. And that's natural lighting, man. You can't buy that shit. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. Then I'll leave it as is. Yeah. And there was something about an election, but you know. Yeah. Uh, reminding everybody that we are now a completely video podcast, so um, we're gonna stay on. I I don't have any plans yet as for leaving SoundCloud. I don't, I don't plan on doing that. Um, but if you want the full experience, because now that we're video, we m may not articulate everything that we should, uh, come on down to Facebook, do a search for the Pope on Film, and join our discussion group. Because that's where we're streaming live right now, baby. <laughs> That is where the magic is happening. That is where the magic is happening. To see us yeah. in all of our glory. While Natasha, while my wife was explaining uh, what happened in Supernatural, I was doing a visual bit yes. on the screen where I was explaining how the Batman logo is actually a person with horrible teeth. Yes. Yeah, I was really proud of that. Yes. So, there are visual things happening that you're not even getting. I just had my second costume change. Dress is Thor, I've got a cape and everything. Yes. You guys aren't getting the full experience unless you're watching it. Watching the live stream. Very important. I'm still kind of working out my camera angle. Because I'm really far away. Yeah, but I can like, see that. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. I, I have my webcam just today. Jeannie just brought this home today. Uh, on a yardstick duct taped to the table that I have my monitor on. Well, that is something. <laughs> And it looks it like it's still a bit too far away, so I gotta get it, you know. I gotta get yeah. it framed up better. But, you know, it's a yard tape and duct tape. A yard stick and duct tape. So, bear with me, people. 
we're we're just we're ju we're really just starting these uh, live streams, and it's gonna take some time to work out the kinks and all that sort of stuff. So yes. just yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that, and I like to think that our fans would be fine of that if we had any fan. If we had any fans. Yeah, that they would be fine. Oh, that's that's another thing that I want to look into. Uh, I had heard, and I watched the video. I just didn't pay much attention to it. Uh, there is a plugin where we could split the stream. Hmm. You know. Okay. So when it goes out, I could have it go. I, I could I could have it go into the group. And then I could split the stream from what I understand. I'm not dead sure. And then send it over to like a Twitch account. And okay. or a YouTube account. I was thinking possibly your Twitter account. Because you got a lot of fucking followers. I got a lot of fucking followers, yeah. yeah. I've got like a 1,300, I think. Somewhere around there. 1300 yeah a little, a little over 1300 i think is what i have yeah that's not bad that's not bad at yeah all. so we could split up the stream um and then i think in that case then i would just be encouraging people that if they want to interact come to the facebook group because i'm not watching yeah. all those fucking streams yeah <laughs> Gonna set them up, let them play, and then they can do their own thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Yay! I like I like, I like bunny versus dealing with the technical aspects of this undertaking. Well, it's just you because know? bunny versus is is just an open ended. Let's talk, yeah, about anything. So, yeah, I, like this would like I don't think we actually have anybody listening. Uh, Christian hearted us, and it felt good, baby. Hmm. Uh, I don't think anybody else is actually watching, as far as I know, that yeah, I can I'm see. I'm watching, but that doesn't count. But this would also be, like, you know, whenever we catch on and people realize that we're here and this is a regular Sunday afternoon thing, you know, and start dropping by, this would yeah. also be a really good place to interact with, with fans. Yes, yes, it would be. You know, and they could... Post something. I mean, they can post it now, but it's, and it may be different later on. Right now, I'm having a, I'm having a, it feels awkward going from screen to screen, you know. Yeah. And I don't want, I don't want to do it because then it, then it would be like kind of fucking up the show, if I don't know yeah. where I am. Yeah. Later on, I could probably bounce in and out of Facebook whenever I want. Gotcha. 
Wow, wow you can be. Sometimes you can really see me, and sometimes I'm just filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Yes, you are. <coughs> see that? I'm, yeah. I'm J.J. Abrams porn right now. It would be nice if we could just mask out your face, you know, so like your face, you, so like we would see your face clearly. Yeah. yeah. And then around the edges of your face, it gets more blurry into that wonderful light. Because then it would look like the light's emanating from you at a strange diagonal. Yeah. Well, the light's emanating from everyone who uh, has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So, just FYI. So, how are you? Last weekend, there was yeah. a huge, there was a huge ice storm, <clears throat> and it left a good portion of the town without power, and a good portion of like the the capital city without power. Yeah. A good portion, of the entire state was without power because uh, it was it was this massive ice storm that lasted like two or three days. And all of the trees weren't done wilting yet, so all of the trees were still very leaf-heavy, and suddenly the tree freezes and just... It was, it was raining branches. Okay. Higher state, and that cut off a large portion of the state's power. And so it was weird when we started school this past week, Eleanor, who's in uh, pre-K, and I'm doing virtual school still, uh, they said, okay, uh, hey, it's, it's time for school, and we have a lot of activities for these kids every day, so make sure your kid gets the activity done, and Eleanor had all of this work she was doing, and, and all of this spelling, and math, and, and, and all of these things I'm teaching her. Meanwhile, Maxwell's teacher said, you know what? Most of the city's without power, so I'm adding nothing to your week. This week is a catch-up week. All you have to do is all the assignments you haven't already done. So it was really weird that the preschooler was working harder than the third grader. Yeah. But, so that was fun. That was odd. Uh, Emerald was, uh, is now coronavirus free and was able to vote. Nice. Uh, she voted for Kane West, didn't she? Kanye? Kanye West. No, no uh, she voted for Joe Jorgensen. Oh, did she? He gonna concede. It's a she. <laughs> he gonna concede. <laughs> She's going libertarian on us? No, no, she voted I blame Biden. you. No, she voted Biden. I was yeah. a libertarian for like a decade. Yeah. It was the longest time I was a libertarian. It was it was one of the, it was it was one of those typical things. I think this is where they sign up the most libertarians. You know, you're you're just a college kid and you're walking down campus and Someone with a clipboard says, hey, do you want to legalize weed? We're the Libertarian Party, and we... And then I go, shh, 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 
You, you had me at weed. Yes. So I signed up for a libertarian, and it wasn't until then Natasha and I really got together and we started taking politics seriously that it's like, well, okay. I'm going to sign up to be a Democrat. Yeah. Because, you know, so... So, I mean, the I mean, election is taken up. They, they sound good on the surface on certain things. Yes, they do. But... They're just Republican light. Just as yeah. the Green yeah. Party is Democrat light. It's kind yeah. of the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, libertarians are the fun Republicans. They're the fun Republicans. Republicans. The fun Republicans. Uh, we're talking about how libertarians are the fun publicans. Yeah, they are. And uh, the, green, the Green Party is uh, Democrat light. No, the Green Party is Democrat yeah, so the election is just taking up so much time and effort and stress and and, and everything, but I, I don't want to say that the election's over because now comes the scary part where we, you know, have to try to get the president out of the White House. That's going to be fun. Yeah. But but that's 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 basically it. How are you doing, Bunny? Uh, well, I pretty much gave you my lowdown. That's yeah. about it. I've been okay. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. cool. I've been okay. I'm, re I'm, I'm really excited about this this, this week's chap. Yeah. Uh, so excited. We're going to be talking about Adam Ant, Dune, uh, Jaws. Really? Uh, yes. And then the greatest movie that was ever not made. And we're not talking about Dune. Or, or Tarantino's Vega Brothers prequel. Vega Brothers. Vincent Vega and then his uh, brother who was Mr. White. Oh, they're doing one? They're doing one? They're, really? They're, he, he, it was his intent to do a prequel featuring the two brothers, but he never got around to it. And also, by the time he had, like, a decent idea, uh, Michael Madsen and John Travolta could in no way play younger versions of themselves. Yeah. So he just skipped the idea for the Vega Brothers prequel. But that's usually on the list of people's, like... Ten of the greatest movies that were never made. Yeah. Yeah, but wouldn't you really want to recast something like that anyway? Yes, you would. You absolutely would. Yeah. 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 Go for it. Yeah. No. So fucking racist. Yeah. I am so elated. Yeah. You still want to celebrate? That's cool. Yeah. Should be kicking in anytime now. So I'm, I'm celebrating in my own way. Since Thursday, 
I've just been. Things are good, buddy. I've never good. heard her speak like that. Then when Cass professed, oh my god. I was preparing. My friend Knox, my, my friend Knox, she lives in Canada and she's just a sweet librarian. And um, she kept, she was like, oh, I'm so worried about Cass. I'm so worried about Cass. And I was like, sweetie, they're going to kill him. I want you to be prepared for that now because he's going to die. Yeah. I promise you, he will not live through, you know, season eight, the episode eighteen or nineteen. He's gonna die. And uh, she was like, I know, I just want to have hope. I've had every absolute, like, I was so absolute with this, he's gonna die, that I didn't even consider the fact that they might actually go canon with the fandom's ship, because it's obviously they can't go canon with the other fan, the other fandom's ship. said we're back into the frying pan and we deserve the win we deserve to celebrate the win yeah, yeah. yeah we do absolutely i'm sorry all them oh, i don't want to use a derogatory term but 
I'll use this one. All them little snowflake Republicans asking us to take a step back and think about their feelings. Please! My child was harassed at school before that dumbass even stole the election. Right now. He was influencing children and having my child harassed because they were Trump supporters. Yeah. Before you ever became president and stole the election. And now you expect us to just say like, oh yes, we're understanding because we're liberals and we're supposed to be all full of understanding. And and fuck you. We're gonna be petty. Petty? No. Petty. Petty. Tom Petty. Tom Petty. We're gonna be free fallen. Yes. Yeah. I had one of my favorite encounters with the Trump supporter this week. Earlier this week, some what was that? A, a friend on my Facebook who I don't know who they really are or who they come from, but they've been anti-Trump and like that's a, that's good enough for me in a lot of cases. Uh, posted something election-related, to which somebody popped up. Uh. With all the, the stupid Trump lies that they come out with, like his excellent handling of the coronavirus, virus, his, 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 how he's improved our standing in the world stage. Like, where the fuck are you? Exactly. Yeah, because I'm sorry, if you improved our standing on the world stage, we wouldn't have other countries celebrating your loss. Oh my god. Yeah. Republicans are in such denial that they went to bed last night hoping to wake up next to Suzanne Plachette. Yes. On November 2nd. Yeah. So he posted that, and... I wanted, I, like, I wanted to say something back, but I didn't want a conversation, but I had also seen the path I needed to take. Oh, I was yeah. like, okay. okay, I'm just gonna call him an asshole, and I bet you he comes back. And I'm yeah. ready for that. So I did. I just posted. I tagged him and said asshole. And he came back, oh, could you not think of anything more eloquent to say? Oh, and I was like, you. and I was like, I saw your post and I didn't think you would understand anything deeper. There you go. Yeah. And then he comes back with, "Oh, good. Let the hate flow. Do whatever you have to do to make yourself feel superior." <laughs> to which I replied, "I don't have to feel superior to you." I am superior to you. And that was it. Damn. He did that not is, come back after that. That was that was savage. Yes. Nice, buddy. Fuck these people. I just have, I don't have tolerance for them. You 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 are stupid and you're evil. Yeah. I'm down with that. No, we're not going to have a civil conversation because you wouldn't understand it. Uh, I was waving at her for a little bit. I'm still here. I'm writing lesson plans. 
okay. Have fun writing lessons. Oh, yeah, it's not. Hey, can you see her in the picture? I wonder if you could see her reflection. Who's reflection? Uh, no, I can't see the reflection, but I saw her when she was sitting next to you on the couch for a little bit on the, on the live stream. Yeah. Well, if you want to be in the shot, I could rework the camera No, next that's week. okay, because my hair's not come. I'm, I'm in my pajamas. Hello. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so I, I don't have anything else. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. We're just like over um, the whole um, anxiety thing, and then the right. build up, yeah. and then um, the what, 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 like how, why? I don't understand why, why it's so close, why the boat was so close. I don't get it. I honestly, I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the same. Yeah. It's very upsetting. It makes yeah. me... Yeah, so the anxiety and all that's not over yet. I need to wait until the vote is... Everything's counted. Yeah. It's done. Trump's out of the fucking White House. Then I will celebrate. Yeah. I still don't feel like celebrating yet. Some people cried friends of mine, they cried and cried all day with happy tears. They were so happy. No, I can't let it go yet. Yeah, yeah. That, that's absolutely understandable. He's saying he's not leaving, so I understand not celebrating. Yeah. I, he, he, the Trumpsters are... I mean, I mean even, though, even though the Democrats chose to run a chimp to run against an orangutan, Okay. Yeah. You would still think there would be more decent people who yes. would vote for the chimp. Yes. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. What are you yeah. doing? That's, that's a good analogy. The Democrats should have given us better than a chimp. Yes. But we yeah. got a chimp. Yeah. And there should have been a lot more decent people who could see the difference between the chimp and the orangutan. Yeah. 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 One positive, it was really great to see my 18-year-old and my 19-year-old happily engaging in politics. That was nice. Yeah. Seeing uh, Amber, you know, going out there and, and you know, Making her voice heard as a vocal Biden supporter and trying to get people to vote and, you know, repeatedly checking results. Yeah. And, and, and trying to stay informed, like, that was, that was really cool. Mm -hmm. um, that, was, that was a positive thing that happened. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. Oh! Ah. Right, I forgot. I have to... I am still Team COVID. I am just letting everybody know I am still Team COVID. Even though it's gotten to be kind of a long shot, I still want to see Donald Trump die of COVID. I would yeah. like to see Stephen Miller die of COVID. There are quite a few of them I'd like to see die of COVID. So, yeah. I am still Team COVID. Cool. 
And with that, we will see you next week on Bunny Versus. And cut on that. Yes. So excited. Bunny! Yes! What? If you're like me, then you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, the Pope on Film. I mean, who isn't? The, this day and age. But only real fans, true hardcore fans, would know two very important things about us. Two absolutely real and in no way made up on the spot facts about the both of us, uh, America's hottest podcasting couple, Bunny and Steve. First and foremost is the fact that when you're not podcasting, Bunny... You are making international news as the world's first licensed animal massager. So tell us, Bunny, a little bit about your life as a professional licensed animal massager. Um, the the training was very difficult, and the amount of schooling uh, was yeah. very important. So I am trained in in various techniques of massage um, and because of that training and because I'm, I'm, I'm a professional I, I, I stick to exotic animals you know nice. I mean I know how to rub a cat you know but there's, there's more money in llamas and alpacas, true, and, true. and the occasional python, yeah. you know, uh, things like that. Um, of course, it's additional for a happy ending, you know. But yeah, you, know, you get what you pay for. I mean, this is quality and this is training, yeah. you know. So if if you have a tense wildebeest, give me a call. What's your company called again? I forgot. Um, it's it's called Mutual of Omaha's Whack in the Wild. Nice. I like that. I like yes. that. It's a yes. The new turn on an old phrase. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I support that. that. So 50, 50% off if you donate your animal semen for the space arc. Yeah, it's for a good cause. Yes. It's important to mention that. It's not just going, going for, for some horrible cause. It's for a good thing. Yes, yes it is. Maybe, you know, not be weird about it. <laughs> the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do is I like to go through the history books and try and find a story, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. So that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of... Steve's historic approximations! Or shack, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name Shap. It's short. 
but, but powerful. It's the Adam Ant of podcast segments. <laughs> yeah. And to be clear, I am referring to the 1965 Hanna Barbera character, Atom Ant. Yes. And not uh, 80s singer Adam Ant. Yes. In the feather hair and the face paint. Although I will say this his song Goody Two Shoes is a banger. <laughs> That still slaps hard. That song came out 38 years ago, and it's still a damn good song. It's a damn good song. It's just good. I, I, I kind of liked their very first album when they came out as more of a hardcore punk band. Yeah. You know, but I had seen a documentary one night, one very late night where I had come home from the clubs drunk. And okay. it stuck with me for some reason. But it was a documentary about this British music producer. I forget oh. what his name was, but kind of like a Phil Spector type. Yeah. And the and one and he had a string of people that he promoted, but in particular this focused on how he managed and promoted Billy Idol. Okay. <laughs> But that relationship turned out not really quite working out so well because Billy Idol was actually a bit more of a rebel than that and yeah. did not want to be packaged. Yeah, contained. So they kind of parted ways and he found Adam Ant. And if you look at, like, if you look at the time period where they're closest yeah. you could see the look he was going for and you could see that Adam Ant really kind of has that same look that Billy Idol had yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I can kind of see that yeah but Goody Two Shoes that's a good song <laughs> but this Shabbity Shap Shap is not about Atom Ant or Adam this shab is about what I fully believe to be one of, if not the, single greatest movie never made. And no, I'm not talking about Joe Dorowski's Dune. Yeah. On the list of everyone's top movie never made, I'm not talking about Joe Dorowski's Dune. So just drop it. I love I love how you said it the first time. I liked it better how you said it the first time because Jodorowsky. Jodorowsky, I Jodorowsky, you know Jodorowsky. Jodorowsky's from up the block. You know? he's, he lives he lives in Bed Stuy. Yeah. Yeah, you know Joe Jodorowsky. He's got a he's got a wife and two kids. Yeah. Yeah. Hey! Hey! What you doing? We gotta make the spice flow. Come on! He he used to he used to be the garbage man before doing Holy Mountain. Yeah. Everybody knows that. That's yeah. the fact. Fact. Yeah. I'm talking. I'm talking about a film that would have, beyond a shadow of a doubt, been the greatest slasher movie of all time. Okay. But before we discuss this amazing unmade film, we've got to go back, way back. How far back? The 1930s! 
Okay. Because in the 1920s, Universal had some success in the realm of horror with 1923's Hunchback of Notre Dame and 1925's Phantom of the Opera. But in 1931, in the same year, they dropped Lugosi's Dracula and Karloff's Frankenstein in the same year. Yes. Two of the biggest horror films of all time, and just like that, Universal went to the races with their stable of horror films, especially monsters. The Mummy, The Wolfman, The Deanna Durbin. Yeah. And both one of the first talkies, which you can really tell when you watch them, because they don't talk much. Yeah, 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 yeah. But by the 1940s, what originally started as big-budget horror epics slowly became inferior B-movie sequels, The Ghost of Frankenstein, The Son of Dracula. Yes. The, the second nephew once removed of The Invisible Man. <laughs> yes. I hated The Invisible uh, Man, and I was not a big Mummy fan, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't a big Mummy fan. I liked the first Invisible Man, but they made a bunch of other ones, and they're all garbage. They're all just, they're all just like the worst. And then there were those mashup movies, like The House of Frankenstein, where all the monsters would be in them. Oh, I love those. I they're horrible yeah. movies, but I love them. And oddly, my favorite is House of Dracula. House of Dracula, yeah. So Universal saw the writing on the wall, and it was the end of their golden age of monsters. Although the 50s would take us to a really sweet Black Lagoon. Uh, so Universal said, hey, let's end our classic monsters with a bang. Let's think differently. How can we really end our Universal monsters with a bang? And someone had a crazy idea. I mean, this is weird. What about a comedy? And that's how we got 1948's Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. My opinion, a freaking comedy masterpiece and a really great send-off for the old-school Universal Monsters. Yes. Now, put a, put a pin on that, okay? Okay. Pin on that. So we're going to jump to the 80s. Halloween came out, the movie Halloween came out in but I gotta step away. Okay. So to capitalize on the totally original movie Halloween, Paramount decided to release their own slasher type movie and they released Friday the 13th and it was a huge hit. 
It costs only $550,000 to make. An astoundingly small amount of money. But, but it only cost $550,000 to make, and it made roughly $60 million at the box office. That is such a huge return on an investment. And that's what movies are all about, making money for stockholders. So, um, the first Friday the 13th movie made so much money that, of course, Paramount said, Okay, we're in the Friday the 13th business now, and they started cranking out a bunch of them. Originally, their original plan for Friday the 13th was to turn it into an anthology series. Why do all of these horror directors want to turn their movies into an anthology series? I have a love-hate relationship with Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, but I'm not going to get into it, because I'll just be talking non-stop about Silver Shamrock. I'm not doing that. Happy, happy Halloween. Not getting into it. Not getting into it. So their idea was, was that the Friday the 13th franchise was going to be an anthology series based on bad things that happened on Friday the 13th and bad luck superstitions that happened in Friday the 13th, which eventually became the basis of the TV show, Friday the 13th, yes. the series, which ran from 1987 to 1990 and fucking sucked. But anyway. Fucking sucked. I I loved that show. I hated that show, but I was really young when that came out. I was like 10. But I, 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 I didn't see Jason, and I got pissed, and I didn't watch it. At least, uh, at least uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, the series, had Freddy Krueger doing uh, intro and outro bumps, you know? Yeah, see now, see now that scared the shit out of me. Okay, yeah. because it was shot so fucking cheap. It was just Robert Ungern so standing up. Yeah, so standing up against the brick wall, being Freddy Krueger, and my first my first thought was fucking Robert Ungern snapped. <laughs> uh, so anyway, he thinks he's fucking Freddy Krueger now, and he's doing this shit in his basement. Yeah, basically, Robert England, till the day he dies, like, he will, like, it's, it's 2026. Robert England was accidentally in a, a gunfight. He was shot 14 times, and as he's bleeding on the street, the EMTs go to him and say, are you okay, sir? And he said, I can still do another nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Call me already. I can do it. Yeah. All this blood oozing, it's fine. I can do another one. Yeah. Like to the day he dies, he would be saying that. So, Friday the 13th. The first one came out in 1980, made a bunch of money, so they started cranking them out. The second one came out a year later with a bigger budget, $1.25 million, and that made $22 million, which is more than half of what the first one made. But still, you make a movie for $1.25 million, it makes $22 million. That's still a pretty impressive return on an investment. So they started making more. The third one came out the next year in 1982.
to. It was in 3D. It featured so many things flying directly at the screen. It's surprising they didn't just have a guy in a top hat hitting a paddle ball into the camera. Yeah. Which, Which is they always... Did. <laughs> so, it, uh, Friday the 13th Part 3 cost $2.2 million to make a lot more than the last one, but the box office was a lot higher. It made about $37 million, which was a lot more than the second one, bigger than the third one. The third one was supposed to end the franchise, but then the movie came out and they said, oh shit, we were so focused on promoting that the movie was in 3D that we never promoted that it was going to be the last one. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, it was Friday the 13th, the final chapter in 3D, but instead they went with Friday the 13th in 3D, and now people want another Friday the 13th, and this was supposed to be the last one, damn it, okay, so the next one could be the last one, so, so they decided to end it with the fourth film, Friday the 13th, the final chapter in 1984, this one made less at the box office than the 3D one, but it still made a decent amount of money and they still kept cranking out Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. The thing was was that Friday the 13th part 4 the final chapter started a trend of box offices falling and falling and falling. Yes. Basically after after Friday the 13th part 3 and 3D uh, audiences were very much done. Uh, they just didn't really want any more of uh, Jason Voorhees and his mommy issues. Also, in 1984, Jason Voorhees got himself some serious competition down on Elm Street with the introduction of Freddy Krueger. Yes. And, uh, and uh, the scariest monster of all time, Johnny Depp. Ah! Women were super scared of Johnny Depp in, in uh, Nightmare on the Street. Not because he was scary, but because of his history of domestic abuse. At least Johnny... Jokes now! Hooray! At least Johnny Depp will freely talk about his role on Nightmare on Elm Street, even still, if anybody asks him. It's something he did, just like anything else, and he kind of enjoyed it. As opposed to Friday the 13th star, Kevin Bacon, who's a little bitch about it. Yeah. And and you, you're not allowed to ask Kevin Bacon about Friday the 13th. Yeah. You're not allowed to ask him about that. It's like Rocky from Rocky Horror. He, he won't talk yeah. to anybody. Yeah. A large portion of a large percentage of the reason why I'm doing this chef is be, because uh, the day before Halloween I saw a nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the thirteenth at the drive in. And my wife and I had such a fun time and we're making yeah. all these and everything and, and like Kevin Bacon we imagine that Kevin Bacon shows up to the set of Friday the thirteenth and he's like, Hey, it's me, Kevin. I'm the star of the film. Hey, you're all six degrees from me. And everyone's like, it's 1980. What the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, oh, you'll see. Yeah. You'll see, just wait. You're all six degrees from me. So, so I, I, while we're on the subject of A Nightmare on Elm Street, 
as a young child when these movies came out, I had such a fucking crush on Heather Langenkamp. Yeah? Oh, I loved her so much. Yeah, my, my tastes ran more to the girl from Hellraiser. Yeah, no, understandable. But I was more, I was so young at the time, you know, going to the mall and yeah. girl out on a date to the state fair. So, so, oh yeah, Heather, I freaking loved her growing up. So, um... Okay, but the, the implications that the murder mommy had to stay under the bed the entire time that they were fucking... You cannot think about the logistics of the first Friday the 13th movie. How did yes. the mom throw a dead body through the window? It makes no sense when you try and break it down. It can be explained away as, uh, what is it, adrenaline? Yeah, I don't. She's been trying to avenge her child with BBs. She's trying to avenge her child. So, uh, I don't know. It's, it's like, like those stories you hear about moms leaving cards that are totally untrue. But, like, still. The thing is, though, she had to stay. Why didn't she just kill them both right then? She had to make a game out of it or something? Yeah, she had to make a game out of it. Yeah, and also, I really still believe that he brought the gas in there because they went to the generator and then they went into that room. Yeah. So I think that was a gas can. And that's why dude couldn't get it done. Maybe. Somebody go look at that scene. You need to know. Somebody do the research. That was only made for $550,000. Yeah, sure. That that still sounds like a lot for me. Because I've literally priced this out. I mean, like, we could get a cabin for the weekend for about 250 bucks here. And therefore, I wrote a script based around a fucking cabin. I probably could have done the whole thing for about a thousand bucks, but I wasn't really happy with how the screenplay came out. Hmm. But, like, uh, Steve and I already have teenagers that we can provide to these boys. Good point. Yeah. I'm literally going to school to be in film. Not in it, but behind the cameras. You know? Yeah. So, like, they'd be down. Good point. You've got a crew, I think, as well. <laughs> so, so Freddy Krueger shows up in 1984, and he poses a real threat to the success of the Friday the 13th franchise. In 1984, Freddy Krueger is introduced, and then the following year, he has a surprisingly gay-friendly sequel. Yes. So new guy Freddy comes along and rocks the box office while Friday the 13th keeps making less and less money. So after the 1986 film Friday the 13th Part 6 Jason Lives, which only made $19 million at the box office, that's pretty sad. The producers said, okay, um, whatever our next, our movies are doing horrible, our movies are bombing, whatever our next film is, it needs to be different. We need different ideas, outside of the box, something weird, something crazy, we need something different, alright? Because it, 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 if the box office keeps going so bad, we're going to have to kill them off, okay? Start thinking about how we're going to kill off Jason. How are we going to end this? How are we going to stop it? We need something different. I need some, some, some different outside-of-the-box crazy ideas. Go! And uh, originally they said, okay, well, then how about this? I, I mean, America is enamored with these two slashers. How about we do it? Freddy vs. Jason in 1987. Yes. 
but Jason was owned by Paramount and Freddy was owned by New Line and they tried in 1987 to actually get the movie done but they couldn't come to terms. Freddy and Jason wouldn't happen until 2013 when New Line Pictures bought the rights to the Friday the 13th franchise. But it's not 2003, it's 1987. So they kept spitballing. And they're like, come on, there's got to be something we can do. There's got to be something we can do. What if we do a Jaws? And the executive producer is like, you mean you mean to tell me Jason versus Jaws? And they're like, no, what if we pull a Jaws? You know, the mayor uh, lies about the deaths, covers up the deaths so he can sell the camp. Someone buys the camp. They want to turn it into condominiums, apartments, high class, retail, something. Jason finds out, starts killing people. The mayor's covering it up, saying that it's not happening. We can do a Jaws. What about that? And the producer said, no, 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 we need something different. We really need something different. And then it happened, buddy. Yeah. Tom McLaughlin, the director of the last film, part six, Jason Lives, had a wild idea. Harkening back to the 1940s and Universal Studios, McLaughlin said... Well, when the Universal Monsters weren't doing good in the 40s, when they weren't doing good at the box office, Universal went a comedy route. What if we made the next Jason movie a comedy? Yeah. And the executive producer at the time, Frank Mancuso, said, Well, uh, what would that even be? And... Uh, Tom McLaughlin said, well, let's think about this. Okay, uh, Jason is owned by Paramount. Let's go through Paramount stuff. What does Paramount own? There's got to be some sort of a property out there in 1987 that uh, Paramount owns that we can. And then he got the idea. Okay. Cheech and Chong versus Jason. The possibilities of this movie, like you can see it. Yeah. You can see huge portions of this 1987 film, Cheech and Chong versus Jason. And Chong's getting all high, and Chong is the, the you know, like a, the Costello. He's the, like, dude, man. I swear, it was going to sound weird. I saw someone in the lake, and she just all, shit, what are you talking about? Stop it, there's nobody in the lake. You're just too high, man. Come on, we got to go make s'mores. You know, like, like, like I, I can see huge portions of that movie, and I would have loved it at the time, and I would have seen it a billion times. Yes. They they would have done an Abbott and Costello with Cheech and Chong and Jason, and that would have been a hit, and maybe they could have done uh, uh, Cheech and Chong meet uh, Freddy Krueger, and then they could do it. Like, that could have been the Freddy versus Jason. Yes. Chong bring Freddy and Jason together. It could have been a whole series just like Abbott Costello made Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein and a bunch of other shitty monster movies. <laughs> you know, but but the first one would have been Abbott and Costello meet Jason, and God damn it, I want to see that movie so bad. I I, I yeah I I 
it's the movie I never thought I needed to see until I heard of it. Yeah. yeah. Whatever the fuck that means. Yeah. <laughs> and like Jason's trying to kill him, mean, and they're running away. Meanwhile, Sean just keeps smoking weed. Yeah. And so Jason's chasing him, but then Jason keeps getting slower and slower chasing him. Oh wait, yeah. Okay, wait, wait. Okay, because. Okay, so Cheech and Chong, they're still kind of going to be pacifists. Yeah. But, but figure, you know, if we just get this dude high, he'll chill the fuck out. Yeah. yeah. So they'll keep coming up with elaborate ways to trap Jason in a way that they can get him high. Oh, oh and, and say, and say, there's, there's like a talent show, and she just like in drag, and yeah. then afterwards he goes off to have a smoke in the woods, and Jason thinks it's a girl, yeah. and starts hunting him and killing him, and Cheech in drag does the being chased by Jason like run, 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 stumble, trip. Yeah. And he's like, oh man, these high heel shoes. You know, he's running, and, and Jason's chasing Cheech and Chong, and Chong is just just smoking so much weed, it's like, Chong, what are you doing, man? Stop smoking. It's like, I'm sorry, man, when I get nervous, I, I, I get high, and it makes me feel better, and he's smoking so much weed that the smoke is going into Jason's face, and so he's chasing Cheech and Chong, but he keeps getting slower, and then eventually Cheech and Chong turn around and they're like, Where did he go? And they walk towards Jason, and he's just like, he's just like leaning on a tree, eating some chips. And then Chong's like, Oh man, there's the guy trying to kill us. Oh man, you got chips. And, and Chong sits, sits there with Jason, and they're both eating chips, and they're passing the joint around, like, oh, I can see this entire film, and I'm so yes. sad that they did this. You know? It's not too and late, man, they're not dead. Man, I want to see this movie so badly. I can just, I can picture it. I can picture it in my head. So much of this film. What's, and then, what's and Cheech then, been doing? He's got to have a series somewhere. And then the other teenage camp counselors keep getting killed by Jason. And uh, Cheech is just pissed off that he has to do more work. And others to like, find out why they're missing. Just, oh man, those teens are just so... So lazy. Now I gotta do the dishes, man. This is this is lame. And then I gotta go help with macrame. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I, I can see the entire film. Eventually, when it came to uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, they're like, no, we like uh, the executive producer Frank Mancuso passed on Cheech and Chong versus Jason and said, no, but, but I like the way you're thinking. Think of something like that. And okay. eventually, the, eventually the director came up with, okay, well, how about this? What if we do a carry? Because Jason is, is this super strong, unstoppable killer. What if we pull somebody up, a carry type team with like mind powers, and then suddenly the Jason versus Carrie type of thing, where finally here's someone with powers that can actually maybe fight and maybe even defeat 
Jason, and, and that's it was kind of fun. Yeah, and that's what they went with, Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, that featured a girl with powers, and that was their attempt at doing a Jason versus Carrie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Natasha was vaguely aware of the Friday the 13th franchise, and I was talking to her about it, you know, in between movies, and I'm like, I, I, I feel that the Nightmare on the movies are better movies, but I like the Friday the 13th movies because those are campier. I mean, he did go to space, and Natasha was like, wait, there was a Jason in space? And I'm like, oh yeah, that was one of the yeah. best slash ones. Yeah. And in the horror genre, that has become equivalent to meaning jump the shark. Yeah. Yeah. Your character in space. Yeah, Leprechaun in space. Uh Uh-huh. Hellraiser in Uh, space. Machete 3 is supposed to be Machete in space. But that's, like, intentional, and I so much appreciate it. I want him to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I, I think, think that... Because I see what you're doing, Robert Rodriguez. I see it. I see it. I'd like to think... Finish that it up. I'd like to think that what happens in Machete in Space is... Machete is in space, and then he gets hit in the head by a space golf ball. And then he knocks out and wakes up in bed next to Suzanne Plachette. Yes! That's what I think happens in that movie. But anyway, that's it for Steve's historical approximations this week. Uh, What are your thoughts about Cheech and Chong versus Jason? I think it's a film with endless possibilities. I'm still down. I I think they should still do it. They can still do it if they want to. Yeah, that movie writes itself. Uh huh. Anyway, be sure and join us next week for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's Historic Approximations! And cut on that. Buddy! Yes. Are you? Okay. We still have a movie to talk about. We need to talk about Nick Adams. We need to talk about uh, Ichiro and Godzilla's Revenge. We need to talk about Airplane 2. Yes. That's that's my dryer. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. All right. We will be right back with more of the Pokemon film after this.
Special Effects Staff presents an epic-making science fiction film starring many of Hollywood's top stars. In Latitude Zero, you will see Utopia, a mysterious underwater city where the greatest scientific minds in the world have been assembled. Is this what I think it is? Diamond. But is it real? Everything in Latitude Zero is real. Here we go. <laughs> Malik the murderer has a diabolical plan to conquer the world. The submarine Alpha of Latitude Zero attacks Malik's submarine of death. The Black Shark. You will see futuristic weapons and the Battle of Blood Rock. Malik the Murderer's Face of Evil.
And we're back with more of the Pope on Film! Act 3, buddy! Act 3! Act 3! Yes, buddy, my friend, it's time once again for this allegedly film-related podcast to casually mosey on in to our third and final act of the show. And for the uninitiated out there, the third act is wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing the low-cost of fiber and now with 50% more ass movie of the week! And so this week on the podcast, we discuss the ramifications of a 200-year-old man who wears Scooby-Doo brand ascots with a look at the 1969 Godzilla film without Godzilla, The Yes. And buddy, last week, so last week, we each had a film ready on deck, and when you pitched your film... Godzilla co-creator Ishiro Honda's swinging 60s underwater sci-fi fantasy film. Latitude Zero, you called it a, a kaiju film without kaiju, a Godzilla film without Godzilla. Yes. Such a good review of this film that shit, I think we're done. <laughs> okay, so we're just, we're That's just Like, like, cause that's it, you know? This film is basically Nick Adams in Invasion of the Astro Monsters, but without Godzilla and King Ghidorah and Rodan. Yeah. If it was just a Japanese guy in his swinging American friend, and some guy who made super, uh, who who uh, who made an annoying sound creator. And they single-handedly battle Japanese aliens. Yes. This, this is, is just a kaiju film that they were the kaiju. In fact, funny. Yes. When I when I watched Godzilla films as a child, I started watching Godzilla films when I was really, 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 really young because they were they were on they were always playing on UHF. Yes. You know, on channel fourteen and up. They they needed to fill time on their network, and so they bought the cheapest films imaginable. So on channel forty five at ten a.m. on a Sunday, you could see uh, Gamera and then Invasion of the Astro Monsters and stuff like that. So I've been watching Godzilla films as a child. And fun fact about me. Uh, Ever since I was a child, I would watch this film and I'm like, oh, right, Godzilla, I'm gonna watch a Godzilla film, this is really exciting, okay, drama, drama, exposition, drama, exposition, exposition, oh, look, Godzilla, okay, now I'm all excited, yeah. drama, drama, oh, there's a romance, okay, drama, another monster has gotten in. But see, I can remember as a kid, like, when I watch a Godzilla movie, like, I can almost smell the rug again. Where yeah. I would be coloring, or playing with toy cars, or yeah. doing something else while the human story played out. Yeah. My grandmother had a rug, and 
she went to Grandma's Rug Emporium, yeah. where all grandmas go to get their rugs. And if you buy two rugs, they'll throw in a bowl full of random nuts. <laughs> at Grandma's Rug Emporium off of Route 9 and the freeway. Uh, just look for the... What was the word you made up for Black Dress Warehouse? Or whatever that was? The chicory dump. The chicory dump. Next to the chicory dump. That's such a good, like, sort of local phrase that people would have in their town. Yeah. So, watching Latitude Zero, I think I watched it three times this week. Yeah. Four? Three times? And it is a fucking bitch to try and pay attention to this goddamn thing. Yeah. Because in my head, I just have this, like, block of, okay, here's the human drama that is happening in Godzilla film, and then monster. And so, like, I keep... I keep, like, watching this film, like, okay, Latitude Zero, I'm gonna watch this, I'm gonna watch this, I'm gonna watch this, and then eventually it's, like, 40 minutes, and it's like, oh my god, where's the monster? Yeah. And then you see the monster, and then it's just, like, like, these, they're not really monsters, they're just cryptid furries. Yes. I, I don't, I find this movie a whole lot of fun. I, I, and... At the same time, I feel a little bad because everything about this movie was like there was a meeting at Toho and they're like we have to get away from these monster movies. We're going to make a serious big movie with stars American Hollywood stars and white people white people wherever you could see and it'll be our big Toho movie it'll be our serious movie and then they got, got a guy in a lion suit <laughs> I, I, the first time I watched this I'm like okay this is going to be exciting I'm really happy and, and I just because I have that Godzilla movie block in my head from when yeah. I was a child I tried to watch the movie, I ended up knocking it out. I woke up in bed next to Suzanne Plachette. That was surprising, but apparently the fans liked it. I don't know. Looking, uh, for me, I, I totally hear what you're saying. Okay, I no, my totally hear... My, my brain has been trained to not pay attention to large portions of this movie because my brain perks up for the kaiju. So my brain yeah. just keeps saying, when is the kaiju coming? And it's not coming, and it's very difficult for me. But my, but my, but my brain also has counter-programming that tells me to pay attention to Cesar Romero. Oh, Caesar Romero's having a lot of fun in this. So I try to be positive. So I wrote the things that I like about it, and so the models are good. In yeah. This is a really shitty Godzilla movie model work. 
And so the models are really good. The underwater scenes look good. The interiors of Latitude Zero itself, it's really good looking and sort of futuristic and yeah. all of that. And then just Cesar Romero is just having so much fun chewing scenery. Oh, God. You know? Like at any moment you expect him to start twirling his mustache. I know, I know they were so stereotypical bad guy couple. Yes, yeah, Snidely Whiplash. Yes. And Boris and Natasha, and then Cesar Romero. For not much reason except he just was. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The one thing, one one thing in this movie made me perk up. You know who that was? Actress Linda Hayes in her skimpy gold outfit. Yes, the doctor. Yes. Yeah, that, that did it for me. But just, I mean, I just had a hard time watching this. But I could really, I really thought you were going to enjoy this. Because it is so Toho. Toho. It's, and it is the, so goofy. But that's the thing. I feel like I could put this in my Godzilla playlist. On, like in my Godzilla folder on my computer. Yeah. The good thing about like the Godzilla movies as a whole is that you watch one and you go, oh, that's boring. And then you move on to the next one and the next one might be better or might be worse and it's like a toss-up you know like uh like the twilight zone yes like some of them are okay some of them are great yes and so so i feel like like i had a hard time paying attention to this movie i don't particularly like it but i could see myself putting this with the other godzilla movies and going oh oh hey uh let's watch rodan okay that's a bit more violent than i remember it but hey that's a pretty good movie what do you now, how about Latitude Zero? I can see this being classified with the other Toho's uh-huh. in my mind now. Well, that's a, that's a good thing. I yeah. think I think it's worth it just for Joseph Cotton's outfit. Uh, fun fact, uh, he wrote a biography, an autobiography. Yeah. And what his story was, the story that he wrote was, the studio said, an American studio said, hey, we're partnering with Toho, and together we're going to make this movie. It's going to have American actors and Japanese actors. We're going to send you over there. We're going to fly you back. We're going to be paying for half of the film. It's going to be a big deal. Big, big deal. Here are your tickets. You go over there. And once they arrived in Japan, the American company went out of business. Oh. And so Toho's like, well, I guess we're paying for all the movie now. Yeah. I guess this is a Toho film. Don't worry, Americans. We'll get your tickets home. Yeah. So I love that story of just once they once they arrived in Japan and we're out of business. <laughs> So, so that's fun. Buddy! Yes? I only say this because you're so good. Why don't you explain to us the plot of Latitude Zero? It starts with an expedition to, I forget what they called it, Gregory's Trench or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Uh, where there was strange, like, radioactive phenomena and and 
just strange things worth investigating. Yes. Um, it was supposed to be like a new Gulfway, like ships could go faster, some shit like this. So they're investigating their scientists, a couple of Japanese scientists, and the white guy from Grizzly as a really annoying reporter. He you know, was also he was also one of the Dirty Dozen, and he uh, was a captain in Airplane Two. He was captain in Airplane Two, yeah. And and he is and he is I forget his role, but he's in one of my favorite movies, Green Slime. Yes, he is in Green Slime too. Yeah, which was also an American Japanese production, I believe. Unless the Japanese, the American company went out of business. So he may have played this movie into a career. <laughs> yeah. He's been yeah. in a lot of shit. He's just one of those faces. He was up for a Best Supporting Actor award for some movie he did that I didn't write down. Yeah. But yeah, no, he was... He, yeah, he became a name. Yeah. So they went diving to... Didn't they... Didn't they go diving to get pictures of the fish? Yeah. That glow. Yeah. Uh, why are all the fish swimming in one direction? But how do you want them to swim? They're not in a tank. They're going somewhere. The fish are swimming in one direction because they're big fans of Harry Styles. Yes. That's, that's a one direction joke. Yes. So they're they're diving, they're all in their scuba gear, and they're swimming underwater and things like that. And um, they get taken into a bathysphere, and then they wake up on a submarine uh, where they're very surprised that a, a, a female doctor who is very skimpily dressed. Yes. I appreciated that. Yes. And then meets with a very, very hip Joseph Cotton. Yeah. With his ascot and his V-neck tunic that came down pretty much to his belly button with gold chains across his chest. Yeah, he was big pimpin'. Oh, oh, he was straight up pimpin', Joseph Cotton, in this movie. And, and... uh, were you not fat? Could you not stare at the screen at that? Just be like, really? <laughs> Times yeah. have gotten hard, have they, Joseph Cotton? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I appreciate they tried to do something with the costuming, but man, that just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. And then they find out that there's basically a space bad guy and we're the space good guys. Not terribly clear on why. Yep, yep, not at all. (laughs) You know, I, I don't know. I mean, they hated each other, you know, but... Caesar Romero gets kind of evil when he kidnaps those people. 
and wants to work on the guy's brain to get his secrets to whatever genetic thing or yeah. you know and, and then he, he huh and he can implant brains yes yeah so then he implants a human brain into a lion which I personally don't think is the smartest move. He thinks somehow he is now going to have more command over the lion with the human brain, where the human brain can answer a command, but you know what? Fuck you, dude. Yeah. yeah. So now you got a lion with a human brain who could tell you to go fuck yourself. I mean, you might not have thought this whole thing completely through. Uh, But the lion was hysterically played by someone, I don't know who the actor was, clearly a man in a lion suit on his knees, like down on all fours. Fun fact, it was actually Richard Nixon. It was Richard Nixon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that must have been tough casting. Yeah. 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 People came in droves to watch Richard Nixon. Yeah. And then they fight, and then it's basically over. Okay? Until we get to what I can only call the Wizard of Oz ending. <laughs> yeah. You know? Where yeah. they, where the reporter guy because Latitude Zero was a really cool place to hang out too. Yeah, Latitude Zero. That's, yeah. But, you know, so, so only the annoying American reporter guy wanted to go back. Yeah. yeah. So then he's picked up by another ship. (coughs) And he's trying to tell him about Latitude Zero. And he's trying to tell him about the good captain and the evil captain. And their whole society that they have there. They're they're wickedly socialist. Um, All of that. and, And nobody will believe him. And he brought diamonds back with him. But they turned into tobacco. And nobody will believe him that this actually happened. And then he runs into the captain who was the captain of the good ship, Lollipop. Joseph Cotton. Dressed not nearly as sexy now, dressed all official. And it's very much like, you know, that's where you see, oh, the scarecrow. That was Ray Bolger right there in the window. (coughs) When the Wizard of Oz went back to black and white. And then Cesar Romero pops up on the same ship for no real reason. And and it's like, oh, oh, what? I'm not exactly sure what we were supposed to be feeling at this point. But it was definitely ripped off from the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy woke up in bed next to Suzanne Clichet. It all yes. makes sense. It, it all tied together. Yes. It was a new. <coughs> I just tied the entire podcast together. Yes. 
Yes, I, I, I think you should give it a couple more tries. I, I think you need to get over that block. Because this is just a fun-ass fucking movie. Come on, the bat creatures. Again, just guys in bat suits. It looks like they're being attacked by Alf. <clears throat> yeah, yes, it did. It did. Yeah. yeah. It looked like it, they looked like leftover bad guys from those Starman movies. Yes. Is what they look like. But this movie is historic because it's the last film that was directed by Godzilla creator Ishiro Honda. Okay. And it was, and while also. The le- well, it, it wasn't the last film directed by him. He made a bunch of other films. But this was the last uh, uh, collaboration between Ishiro Honda, special effects by E.G. Tsuburaya, and then the insanely familiar uh, score by Akira Ifukumi. Yes. And they were the people who basically did the majority of the directing and the special effects and the music of all of those classic Godzilla movies. So this was the last time that those three people uh, worked together. Ishiro Honda specifically made this movie between a really good Godzilla movie and a fucking horrible Godzilla movie. Okay. So Which ones? Do you remember? Right... Right after he he made this movie Latitude Zero before Destroy All Monsters, okay, and after Godzilla's Revenge, where everything is happening in the mind of the young boy Ichiro. Yeah, and it has like Minya Godzilla's a child of indeterminate. Uh, yeah. Kind of yeah, showing him around. I hate that movie so much, and it's just the kid imagining his best friend, which is just a like a, it's a clip show. Yes. And it's so bad. But in between that, uh, but see, I liked it because it had it had the good monster <clears throat> fights. You know, so yeah, I kind of ignored the kid. And I knew where they all came from, what movies, what other movies they came from. But yeah. it is the best, this movie is the best of. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, yeah. So this film gets respect on account of how um, historical it is. So the fact that this is the final collaboration of the original Godzilla bunch, like, it, it, it gets respect. Oh, you know what other monster I liked? The R.O.U.S.'s from The Princess Bride. Yes. You can make it through the fire swamp. What about the R.O.U.S.'s? Rodents of unusual size. I don't think they exist. Jump scare. Yeah. So that was definitely them. Yes. At the end. I, I know them when I see them. Fun fact about this movie, it was made in English and dubbed into Japanese yeah. for the Japanese audience. And this, that's, that goes against the way that Toho always made movies. 
Yeah. You know, the American actors were speaking English and the Japanese actors were also speaking English. And they dubbed Japanese over that and they never do that in these movies. So this that's a real surprise. I'm impressed by taking how... You know what that is? Huh. That's taking some bad advice from the Italians. Right. That's what that that's is. Probably, so Japan got on the phone, said, hey, you know, Italy, I know we don't talk much, but, you know, we're making this new movie and we're really putting our best into it. Except for the actual sound effects. Fuck it. The Mothra sound effects will do fine. But right. I'm wondering if you have any advice for us and what we should do. Yes, let your actors speak just whatever the hell language they speak. And overdub everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm impressed by how many of those actors that I've seen speak Japanese in a, baz- a bazillion Godzilla films can speak decent English. Yeah. I was impressed by that. Like, good for you. So, Mike, funny, I got a question for you. You know the Disney Vault? Yeah, I, I'm aware where they put their movies for 20 years, whatever, and <laughs> then okay. re-release them like anybody gives a shit anymore. Well, apparently Toho has a Toho Vault. Really? And decades ago, in America at least, in Japan this was still around, but in America... Uh, Toho just locked it in the Toho vault, and there was never a like a home release of this. It was never released on VHS or DVD yeah. or anything. Like that. And that gave this film this mystique, this aura of ooh, the lost hidden uh, Ishiro Honda film. That he yeah. made between Godzilla's. Oh, this is going to be the biggest movie ever. And uh, as far as I can tell from the reviews, uh, uh, years ago when this movie was finally officially released in America, as far as I can tell, American Godzilla fans said a collective, oh, okay, when they finally saw the movie. Yeah. So, so there's that. Uh... The movie's credits, I was paying attention to the credits, and apparently this is based on an old radio show from the 40s. Yeah. And so I went looking for any information about the Latitude Zero radio serial drama, and uh, there was a bit on Wikipedia, and it was like, very little is known about the Latitude Zero radio drama. Like, really? Like, there's no, like, recordings of it anywhere? Like, there's no... Yeah, but apparently this was based on an old radio serial. And I found that an interesting concept. You know? That's like, that's like an interesting place to live and to put a, 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 a hidden society. Latitude Zero. How weird that Samuel L. Jackson and Nicolas Cage starred in Amos and Andrew. (laughs) Yes. How weird is that? Wow. Wow. Anyway, Bunny, uh, that's all I got for this movie. 
uh, it, it gets a lot of respect from me, a Godzilla fan. And I had a hard time paying attention with it, but I don't think it's the fault of this movie. I think it's just the block that I had in my head. Yeah. You know? And I just need to see it a few times. I'm going to add it into my Godzilla playlist because it just fits there. You know? I, I think so. It is so... It is so... It's almost a good movie. You know? And it's it's almost like... Why did you try to try so hard to make a good movie and then fail in all these other regards because you did the same shit you did? Some of that mu music was Godzilla music too. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I heard a lot of monster sound effects throughout this movie. Same. Which I found a lot of fun because it was just so stupid and goofy. Like, why don't you... You know, you're going this far, why don't you go the rest of the way and redo your sound effects just for this movie? Yeah, you're watching, you're watching a, I'm watching this movie and I hear a sound effect and I'm like, oh shit, is that Rodan? Oh, no. Yes, I, yeah. Definitely heard Rodan. Yeah. But I still think this movie is a whole lot of fun and it really starts hitting the goofy meter when we start meeting some of his creations. Yeah. 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 This, this is, is a wacky film. film. You know, this was and the 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 Asian girl that he gives the orders to. Yeah. The one who's kind of his side bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't she remind you of what's her name from the Austin Powers movies? Yes. The 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 assistant what? No. No, the assistant to Doctor Evil. Yes. The one who yes. screamed yeah. all of his orders. Yeah. That was her. Frau Far Bissena. Some or some that. effect. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I keep wanting to say Frau Blucher, but that's not it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But I think everybody should track this movie down and watch it, because I think it's a whole lot of fun. And I think if you watch it a few more times, you're going to appreciate it more and more each time. So, it's so. so fucking goofy. Yeah, It's no, so it, goofy. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy silly. silly. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I want to talk about, about silly. silly. Yeah. Next week... 1994, 1994 Tammy and the T-Rex. I am all ready. I am all ready. I've been okay, waiting. Usually, when I like try and spring a movie on you, I usually say, "Hey, Bonnie, don't, don't, don't look up anything about this movie. Don't look up any of it." But when it comes to 1994's Tammy and the T-Rex, next week, you should look up how they made this film. And I think you'll appreciate it more. Very guerrilla filmmaking style of, like, all of the locations are around the director's house. Yeah. They had an audio-animatronic T-Rex for a couple of weeks, and they said, shit, let's throw together a movie, and, and, and that's basically the story, but... Yeah, you should look up some info on Tammy and the T-Rex before, before watching this. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah. I'm really excited. I know how it ends. It ends with a, a strip tease and a, a severed brain. 
Okay. How the film ends. Sorry, spoiler alert. Strip tease in a, in a brain in a jar, but really excited to watch it. Yes. That is this week. Tammy and the T-Rex. But now for the look back at this week. Oh, man, oh, man. Uh, Supernatural, The Election, Deanna Durbin, Cheech and Chunk versus Jason. Yeah. Rodent size Cesar Romero. I gotta say, I think that this has been a pretty good episode. This has been a damn good episode. Okay, yes, I, I agree with you. You are usually the one who makes that distinction, and uh, uh, I didn't want to step on your toes. And for those of you playing at home, how many jokes did I make? Ten. Ten. Understand that, then you really need to be listening to the full thing or watching it on Facebook. But anyway, how many jokes did I make about the subject that I said in the opening? Ten. I counted. Ten. Anyway, but, but yes, uh, I concur. I concur with your assessment, good sir, good bunny, fair damsel. Yes. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steven on behalf of Natasha and Bella and Amber and Maxwell and Eleanor and everybody else. I just want to say thanks for listening. And we will see you next week, you godless heathens. And you can use your And you. Well, you're great at ad-libbing, Maxwell. Andy Bellas, I did your myself, finish, and this is why you fucking came away! Bella ran out of the house. Uh, oh, yes, Eleanor? And you? Cookies and cream! And, and your cookies and cream. Okay, good. Do-do-do-do-do! My whole got caught in the doorway, so when I was running, I was banging on Max's door to try and get him to come out, and I just... Well, bam, right against the door frame. Okay, Bella injured herself. It's it's okay. It's all in the name of podcasting. Okay. Cut and print.